Well, I don't know if you had any quizzes over Christmas or any riddles over Christmas. I want to start off this morning by something a bit different, um, and that is by throwing out a riddle. Okay, and it's a riddle, and I want to throw it out to the young people first. So let's see if you know what this means. It's not in the Bible, and it's not about Christmas, but anyway, it'll become clear. This thing all things devours. Birds, beasts, trees, flowers. Gnaws iron, bites steel. Grinds hard stones to meal. Slays king, ruins town, and beats mountain down. Well, I've got Elias's hand up right now. So, okay, Elias, who said that? Right. It is time. It is time. That's right. He's got them both. I had two questions. So, <laughs> must be a mind reader. So, that's right. The, the answer is time. It is time. That's right. And it was said, it wasn't by Bilbo. It was by the other one. So, who was with Bilbo by the dark lake? Can you remember who said it? Any ideas? Stanley. Gollum, that's right. There's a riddle by Gollum. And Bilbo didn't get it. He shouted for more time. And that was the answer. So Gollum was pretty upset by that because he wanted to uh, eat him. But, so time, that's right. So time is nearly over for 2023, isn't it? This is the last day of the year. It's New Year's Eve, December 31st. Christmas, we were looking forward to. But Christmas, there's still the 12 days of Christmas, isn't there? It's not finished yet, but so much of it is over. How quickly it's gone. Time, where did it go? The old year is coming to an end. Time marches on. Interesting thing about time is that you can't stop time. You can't control time in your life. We can try and keep time. We can use time well, but we can't stop time. On and on it goes. It rolls forward and forward. Today is the last day. Tomorrow is a new year. And we have an illustration in that that I want to draw on for this morning's message. The last day and the new The last day and the start of a new. So it's New Year's Eve. I want to bring a message on that theme. The last day of the old and the start of the new from 2 Peter chapter 3. So the end of the old is often called the day of the Lord in Scripture. The day of the Lord. The last day. So the message title this morning is Beyond the Last Day. We're going to look beyond it. We're going to consider it and we're going to look beyond it. Beyond the last day. 2 Peter chapter 3. So three things I want to bring to you this morning. The first is this. The last day is coming. The last day is coming. It's certain. It's truth. So the Apostle Peter is a man with a burden. He's a man with a heart for God's people, for Christians. He's a faithful elder. And he sees false teachers influencing the church. And he wants to bring God's truth to them. He wants to inoculate them from error and from spiritual disease. He wants them to be aware of the future that God has for them, because if they're aware of it, it will prevent them from absorbing wrong thinking. 
So he says to them in verse 1, Beloved, I now write to you the second epistle in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder. So he's reminding them of something, something he wants to be in the forefront of their mind. Why does he want to do that? Verse 3, knowing this first, that scoffers in the last days will come, walking according to their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? Where is the promise of his coming? And Peter moves on and develops this theme in verse 10, where he says, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. The day of the Lord will come. The promise of his coming, the day of the Lord, is the same thing. And he wants them to look forward. He wants them to be aware of it. He wants them to have it in their minds. The God will intervene again in human history. The God will intervene in a super intrusive, powerful way. In a climactic way. And do something. Destroy his enemies. Vindicate his name. Reveal his glory. Complete his kingdom. The kingdom of Christ. This day of the Lord is coming. The last day is coming. Peter says, keep this in mind. I'm stirring up your minds by way of reminder. Well, what will happen on that day? Well, he tells us in this verse, he says, the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. See, the trigger for all of it is the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. When he comes again, when he returns, the promise of his coming, when the day of the Lord returns, it will bring unparalleled change. It will bring sweeping events to pass. Everything that's been touched by sin, everything in the earth, everything in the human body, everything in the universe that has been touched and stained by sin will be touched, will be changed. The heavens will pass away with a great noise. Is referring to the universe. And the imagery here is of fire. The elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. There is a purging. There is a purifying. And the day of the Lord, when it comes, a crack, the word, a big noise there also could be translated roar. That's the, the word that's used for a crackling sound. Something being consumed by flames. Peter tells us that God has judged the world before. Verse 6, the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. Then there was the, the flood with Noah was a judgment on the world because of sin. But the day of the Lord is so much greater and far-reaching. Nothing will be untouched by it. It will be in a radically different scale. Romans 8, 20 to 22 tells us that the whole creation is groaning in the pains of birth, waiting for that redemption. The whole of creation 
It's, it is on a scale never seen before. And what God is doing in the world. Every created thing, nothing is out of scope for what God is going to do on the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is coming. What will it be like? Well, a poor comparison could be drawn with the devastation of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, if you've ever seen on YouTube or on pictures, the utter destruction of buildings, temples, homes, everything. The day of the Lord will come. It's the end of a year. It's the last day of the year. There will be a last day, as it were, in God's calendar of redemption. In which there will be judgment. The clock will be stopped. This universe is on countdown. The sands of time are sinking. God will call all of us to account for how we've lived our lives. Believers and unbelievers as well. If we're not a Christian this morning, each of us will have to give an account of himself to God. Romans 14 verse 12 and Revelation 20 says, the books will be opened on the last day of the day of the Lord. We can't go back. We can't rewrite the history. It's fixed on the last day. We can't change history this year, can we? Things that we've done that we wish we hadn't have done. Things that we've done we should have done more of. It's fixed. But for believers, there's been positive blessings of the last year, and I sought to cover some of those things in prayer. As a fellowship, God's goodness to us, in answer prayer and deliverance as encouragement, baptisms and so on. But everything is open before the eyes of of God. Everything is hid, everything is exposed before. We can't hide anything from God's eyes. On the last day, He will see everything. He has an account of everything. We can go incognito, as it were, on the internet. Or we can we can track people on our phones, or we can Tag people or whatever it might be, but God sees everything, even the insides of our hearts and insides of our minds. And he knows. And the day of the Lord will come. It will come. Notice what Peter says, how it will come. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. His coming will be unexpected. A friend of mine who lives in Michelover went out one evening. It was a Friday night, half past six. It was getting dark. He just nipped to the shops for 30 minutes. When he came back, went round the back of his home. His French doors, French windows had been smashed. He'd been robbed. His property had been overturned. The thief had gone upstairs, gone straight for the jewellery, the watches, the precious items that he had that had been in the family for generations. But had he known the thief was coming, he would have been prepared. He would have been in with a baseball bat. Well, at least had his mobile phone ready to ring the police. Caught them red-handed, but they didn't expect to be robbed. And the, thing, the, the, the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. It will find us unexpected. We'll find the world unprepared on the last day. 
Question is, are you ready to face? Are you ready to face that? You may say, well, I, I, know, I know I sin and I do wrong stuff. Maybe you're like uh, Kevin on Home Alone 2. Kevin on Home Alone 2, you know, he was rude to his family. He was rude to his family on Home Alone 1 as well. But in, in, in the second movie, he, uh, he gets um, separated from his family at the airport and he flies and he ends up in New York. And his family um, are in, I think they're in California, aren't they? Florida, that's right, in Florida. And, and later on in the film, he's there and he's in Central Park and there's the bird lady there who scatters food for the birds and so on. And she talks to him about what he's done wrong and, and, and she said, well, don't you know, if, if, if you do a good deed, it cancels out your bad deeds. And if you do, because it's Christmas, if you do even just a, a smaller deed will cancel out something big. But that isn't true. According to the Bible, our good deeds don't cancel out our bad deeds. Our bad deeds need to be forgiven and cleansed. That's why Jesus came into the world. That's why he came to die on the cross, to cleanse us from our sins. So this morning, if you've not believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, you need to trust in him this morning. You need him. Because at the last day, we're brought before God and you need the forgiveness, the righteousness, the work of Jesus Christ for you. You say, why isn't the day of the Lord coming today? It might come today. Why hasn't it come already? We'll look at verse 9. It says this, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So let me ask you, 2023, is it a year when you've continued to resist the Lord Jesus Christ? And you've continued to turn away from his call to come and to believe in him. He longs for you to come. He wants you to come and to trust in him. That's why he came into the world. He wants to embrace you. He wants to save you. He wants to renew you. And he calls you to believe in him, to confess your sin to him, to trust in him, to take him as your own, to believe in him. For Christians, this is an amazing stimulus for evangelism, isn't it? The day of the Lord will come. Nothing else gets us out. If nothing else brings the words onto our lips, it's the knowledge that the day of the Lord is coming. The judgment is coming. That this world is going to be transformed. May God stimulate us. May God enrich us in his word. So firstly, the day of the Lord will come. Secondly, live as though it's coming tomorrow. Live as though it's coming tomorrow. Verse 11. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? What kind of people ought you to be? Well, that's an exclamation. It's not a question. It's, it's in light of these things. Wow, how, how we should be living in the light of this. How we should be conducting ourselves. How we should be behaving in light of this. You see how essential it is to live a holy life. Uses two phrases here. Holy conduct and godliness. Well, what do these mean? Holy conduct simply means obeying God. Obeying God. In light of, 
the dissolution, the purging of the world. What are we to be? How are we to respond? He says, obeying God's word. Be those who have holy conduct separate from sin, not obeying the principles of sin, not obeying the impulse of sin in our hearts, but obeying God's words by loving God's words, by living out God's word in our lives, with the help of the Holy Spirit. Holy conduct. And what's the other word here? It's godliness. Godliness. We're talking about devotion there. He's talking about our reverence there. We're devoted to God. In the fact that this universe is going to be burned up, then, then surely we should be those devoted to him, to the one who's behind it, to the one who holds the plans of the future and history in his hands. Devotion from the heart. What kind of persons ought you to be? Those who obey God, holy conduct, those who are devoted to him, godliness. That's the challenge for us. This, as I said earlier on in the, in, this, in, in the service, this is Peter's final message. These are his last words. This is the future he's, he's laying out for himself as well as for the believers. He's saying in light of these things that this is true. Believe this is coming. Live in the light of this. Tradition tells us that Peter was crucified, but feeling unworthy to be crucified like his Lord. He was crucified upside down. He's saying we're headed for glory. Our hearts, our conduct, our attitudes should be those who have this glorious future in view. Look at verse 12. He says, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Looking for and hastening on the coming of the day of God. He's saying we shouldn't be afraid of this. This isn't something that should cause us a tremendous amount of anxiety. He says, looking for it. Anticipate it. Expect it. Be watchful for it. Be alert to it. And then the word hastening there. That's the idea of eager desire. Eager desire. If you've got children, you know what that is. December the 31st, December the 23rd, sorry, and the 24th. Just can't wait for Christmas to come. There's only five days, four days, three days. Counting down the number of days, eager desire that Christmas is coming. And that's the, the idea that Peter has here. As it were, we're hastening it. We, we've got an eager desire, as it were. We, we're looking for it. We're longing for it. We have desire for it. Live as though it's coming. Tomorrow, a number of places in the scriptures, it says, even so, come Lord Jesus. It's that attitude of openness and faith. And looking forward and anticipating, expecting the return of the Lord Jesus. Paul said, it's nice to be here, but it's far better to depart and to be with Christ. We should have a longing heart to obey. 
and a longing heart to anticipate and to look for and to hasten the coming of the day of God. Well, what does it mean? Now, if, if, if the Lord is first in our lives and first in our hearts, he will be the priority. He's our future. He holds a future in his hands. He's the king on the throne. He has the plan that is not yet finished, but will be finished then. If we're enjoying the plan and we're receiving the blessings now, how much more are we going to enjoy them and praise him then? He is my priority. He is my future. Looking forward and hastening in the coming of the day. Live as though it's coming tomorrow. One, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 28, it says this, When he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming. We may have confidence when he returns in the day of the Lord. Not be ashamed. We will always need the cross. We'll always need forgiveness. We will always need cleansing. The Bible is absolutely clear on that. But if our hearts are broken and humble before him, if we're treasuring the Lord Jesus Christ, if we're looking forward with eagerness to the future, then we will not be ashamed. He's coming to collect sinners. Yeah, he is coming to collect sinners, you and me. He's coming to collect saved sinners. How he longs will be sinners looking to him, wanting him, expecting him, longing for him. Hastening the day of the Lord. What manner of persons ought you to be in obeying God, being devoted to God? Jesus told the parable of the stewards in the king's household. The king goes away, he leaves the household in charge, with the stewards in charge, and he goes. And what do the stewards do? Or do they sit around? Do they let the place fall into neglect? Do they fix the hole in the roof? Do they look after the paintwork? Do they make sure the house runs like clockwork? Because that's what he wants them to do. Or is everything ready? Are they longing for his return? When he comes down, as it were, the, the, the pathway with his entourage, what expression will he have on his face when he sees them? If they're obeying him, if they're devoted to him, if they're looking for him, it'll be one of joy. If they become slack and lazy and negligent, it'll be one of concern, one of grief. What manner of persons ought we to be? Obeying God, devoted to him. So the last day is coming. Live like it's coming tomorrow. And thirdly, keep looking beyond. Keep looking beyond. So we're just a few hours away from the new year now. Do you like the new year? Do you look forward to the new year? Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. Whatever the new year brings for you and for me, it pales into insignificance with what the Lord has prepared for those who trust in him. Verse 13, nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. New heavens and new earth. In the Greek, that's one unit. It's not two things, a heaven and an earth. It's just 
heavens and earth. It's a unit, it's together. Are we looking for? Are we anticipating? It's God who cannot lie, who speaks the truth, has promised it for us. The prophet Isaiah saw it in Isaiah 65, verse 17. He says, Behold, says the Lord, I create new heavens and new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or shall not come to mind. It's not new in terms of chronology. That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about newness in terms of quality. The quality of a new heavens and new earth. Why is it different? It's different because there's no sin there. And he tells us more. He says, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Righteousness dwells. Does righteousness dwell in our world today? Well, there's pockets of it, isn't there? Wherever the church is, there is righteousness. But righteousness in our world is like a stranger. It's like an exile. Righteousness is like a wanderer in this world right now. But in the new heavens and in the new earth, righteousness will dwell there permanently. It will be its permanent home. It will be there. It will only be there. It will, all of it will be there. There will be no sin there. There will not be a stranger there. It will be a permanent, perfect existence. Righteousness. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. That's where history is heading. That is the linear movement of history. That is where it's going. We look for a new heavens and a new earth. The beginning of the service, I read those words from Revelation chapter 21. Let me read those to you again. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adored for her husband. I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There will be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. There will be no more sea, there will be no more thing to separate There'll be no more pain or suffering or tears because God will be there. Righteousness will be there. Glory will be there. There will be genuine, heartfelt, 100%, seven days worship there. But there won't be any more time. There will be glory there. That's where we're heading. That is our destination. Everything that ruins this life and ruins this world will be gone forever. A new heavens and a new earth. Go to verse 
23 in chapter 21, it says this, The city that comes down from God has no need of the sun nor of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light, and the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light. And the kings of the earth bring their glory and their honor into it. God will be the light of it. God will be the glory of it. You know something in your Christian life, when at times you're reading the word of God or in prayer, and the glory of God shines into your heart. The Lord's face shines on you, and you have a joy and a peace that is unbeatable. That will not be broken in the new heavens and new earth. That will be what you experience. The glory of God and everything that causes you to depression or illness or pain or suffering will be replaced with glory and joy and wonder. The presence of God. He will be the presence. He will be the temple where we worship. He will be our glory and treasure in an unbroken, unlimited way. Keep looking beyond. It's a new year tomorrow. There is a new heavens and a new earth to come. How should we respond to these things? Well, our response should be like John. Just turn over to chapter 22, Revelation verse 8, where John says this. Now I, John, saw and heard these things. And when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. Then he said to me, see that you don't do that. I am your fellow servant and your brethren, the prophets, and of those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. John was filled with worship. Worship at the grace and love of God that was giving him all of these things that shown in this vision that pull back the veil of revelation, enable them to see something of this new heavens and new earth. John was just filled with worship and adoration to the God of grace, God of mercy and compassion, God of love who loves him, who's bringing him to glory one day. What does John say? He says, come. Lord Jesus, come. Now may God help us to so have a vision of these things, to so have these thoughts in our heads and in our minds that like John, we worship, we glory in him. How often and how tragic these truths don't hit us with the power that they should. How tragic that they can come in one ear and go out the other ear so quickly. Peter says, no, look for it. Think about it. Believe it. Anticipate it. Eagerly desire it. We are those who look for and hastening the day of God. May God stir us up. Why don't we challenge ourselves in this new year, just for each day, just for five minutes a day, to think about these things. Yes, we read the word of God and yes, we will think about lots of things in scripture, as it were, and in our daily devotions and so on. But to think specifically and to look forward 
to hasten the day of God, to look for these new heavens and the new earth, to pray over these things, that we'll grip them and grasp them with a greater reality that fuels our lives, that fuels our devotion and our obedience to God. How should we respond then expectant worship? How else should we respond? Well, Peter tells us in verse 14, Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot and blameless. Without spot and blameless. I think it means scabs and filthy spots. Yeah, without scabs and filthy spots. Clean. He's talking about two things here. Spotless means character. And the other means reputation. Spotless in character, blameless in reputation. Or people think I am. I am to be spotless, but I am to be blameless before him in terms of reputation before him. To affect our relationship to sin, to reflect, our, to reflect and speak about our relationship to righteousness, obeying God, devoted to God, clean, Blameless in the light of these things. You know, if you've got a job in France and you were going there in six months, wouldn't it be foolish not to bother picking up a book and learning French before you go? Wouldn't you be preparing week by week, getting ready, learning the language, learning the culture, learning what life will be like there, anticipating it, preparing for it? That is what you would do, isn't it? That's what I would do. It would be foolish to wait till the last day and get your French phrase book out as you're going on the Channel Tunnel. Preparation. Thinking. Looking for. Hastening the day of God. Contemplating the future that we have for us. Do you have any spiritual goals in 2024? Do you keep goals, New Year's resolutions? Got any aspirations as things you might do differently in your life? Things in terms of the reading of the word of God or in terms of something that you might do in the church or some other commitment that you might make for your own personal growth in grace. We should have spiritual goals, I think. Because if we aim at nothing, that's what we'll hit. What aspirations and goals do we have? It'll be a big year for some. God willing, some people will be leaving home, going to university, or starting a career, or taking a path that may lead on to a lifelong career for them. Throw yourself into it, but do it for the glory of God. And remember that beyond it all, there is a new heavens and a new earth. There is something far more glorious to come. Have your heart to treasure Jesus Christ and the future that he has for you. Righteousness will be your home then. Glory will be your home then. Moses chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Why? Because he looked beyond to the rewards, to the God who was invisible. His eyes weren't fixed on the seen, but on the unseen. May God strengthen our faith, strengthen our hope in the glories 
to come. That's our destination. That's what we're heading for. That's our future. Are we taken up with that? Not to the neglect of things here and now, but where does it feature in our thinking? Where does it feature in our lives? How does it impact our hearts and our obedience to God now? It should do. It's a place of purity. Are we seeking purity in our lives? Place of righteousness. Are we working at righteousness? Seeking to grow in like Christ's likeness. Are we forsaking our sins and putting off the sins and putting on Christ's likeness? Are we allowing the word of God to prioritize our lives? How we spend our time? Are we living in a consistent way with the journey and the destination that we're going to? Well, the last day is coming. Live like it's going to be tomorrow. But look beyond it to the future destination that God has, the righteousness, the glory that he has for us. Fall down in worship. Without spot and stain, blameless, looking for and hastening to those things that are to come. May God help us. May he strengthen our faith and our hope. May he build us up. May this new year be different to last, richer, fuller, more joyful by his grace, by his spirit and his blessing in our lives. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for these truths and we confess, Lord, the poverty of our faith sometimes that we can look forward to and we can hasten other things which are legitimate and are good. And we pray that we look beyond these things as well, that we would look to the glories that you have for us, the new heavens and the new earth in which only righteousness dwells. Lord, for those who are struggling with pain and suffering today, we pray for them that you would strengthen their faith to look to the time when they will receive new bodies, new minds, <coughs> renovated and renewed and changed from one degree of glory to another. Lord, for those in, in darkness, spiritual darkness, lighten it, we pray. Lord, those of us who need, again, filling with the, the joy of these things and the hope and the future that you have for us, lift up our eyes, we pray, to the day of the Lord, to know that it will come, uh, to think that it will come tomorrow and to look beyond it, uh, Lord, to the future glory that you have for us, where God will be with us in that close and intimate way. He will be our God and we will be his people. Bless us then, we pray, for we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.